Leading Ideas Talks podcast is brought to you by the Lewis Center for Church Leadership of Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. Subscribe free to our weekly e-newsletter, Leading Ideas, at churchleadership.com slash leadingideas. Leading Ideas Talks is also brought to you by the Taking Church to the Community Video Toolkit. Explore strategies your congregation can use to reach beyond its walls with worship, community events, ministries, and service. Learn more and watch introductory videos at churchleadership.com shop. And remember to stay up to date with the latest church leadership strategies and information. Please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos. What are microchurches, and how do they disciple missional leaders? In this episode, Bree Mills, director of Microchurches Australia, shares with us the characteristics of microchurches, how they are formed, and how microchurch leaders are developed. Welcome to Leading Ideas Talks, a podcast featuring thought leaders and innovative practitioners. I am Douglas Poe, the director of the Lewis Center, and your host for this talk. Joining me is the founding director of the Micro Movements in Australia, Bree Mills. Our focus for this podcast is micro churches. Bree, I'm so glad you're joining us today and happy that uh, you were willing to take this time. Can you, as you um, sort of introduce yourself, share a little bit about yourself, uh, any denominational background before we sort of get started into the micro church movement? Yeah, awesome. Uh, it's great to be here. It's really great to have a chat with you guys. Uh, I'm from Melbourne in Australia, and uh, by training and background, I'm an ordained Anglican minister in Anglican Church of Australia, um, but I work predominantly now in a in a multi-denominational um, kind of space. I'm married. I've got three teenage children, and we're all still alive, so that's a good start. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been a, a great journey with micro churches and and starting to move in Australia in this sort of direction. So yeah, so that's a that's just a bit of a background. So I was a minister for about uh, gosh, fifteen years, I think, uh, in different capacities, and then have moved more into this micro church space and training and resourcing others. Well, again, thank you for being with us. And I'm going to start with the very obvious question. How do you define microchurch and sort of what is microchurch? Yeah, sure. That's a it's a really good question. And the answer it kind of is, it depends. And it depends who you are and what you're talking about. But for me, it's all about that idea of having a small uh, community of disciples that's intentional about reaching out on mission to a particular people or place and demonstrating, proclaiming the gospel and, and making disciples in that sort of space. So it's really about that small intentional community that to a degree has a missional identity, like they come together for the purpose of, of mission and discipleship, and whether that's towards a network of people um, or a particular geographical place. That tends to be um, the most broadly accepted definition of a microchurch. As you were talking, I'm thinking um, I'm Methodist and in the Wesleyan tradition, and um, we have sort of moved away from this, but at one time we had small groups and they were sort mm. of visually focused um, small groups. So would you see micro churches as different or how would you make the distinction between the two? 
Yeah, well, it kind of depends on what your small groups are. A, a lot of small groups these days tend to have focus on a fellowship together, on, on times of worship and learning, but they're not missionally driven. Um, so usually that's the biggest difference between a small group and a micro church is they don't have that that sense of being sent together out on mission. Maybe if it's a good group, they'll have a sense of individually going and doing that. But the goal of a micro church is to go together um, and focus on a particular people or group or place together generally to to reach out. That's one of the big differences. I think the other difference is um, that it's seen, the microchurch is seen as church in itself and it's a group of people who want to do life together and work together as opposed to people who just come together once a week. It's a community. A lot of language is used around like extended families. It's a family on mission that, that does this work together and I think that's that's quite a difference from a typical small group. I appreciate what you said in the last part. So a part of it, it sounds like, is there's an intentionality around sort of not just gathering on Sunday, but you really think about how do we structure our lives together for the whole week and live out our sort of missional lives um, daily um, and whatever we're doing or thinking about in terms of moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And to do that together. Um, I think otherwise we tend to spend a lot of our weeks on our own as believers in in complete environments that are just not supportive. So it gives you a sense of doing mission together with others and and having that integrated. It's like um, there's that old African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a, ch- a child. And I think it takes a village to raise a disciple too. So um, so that's it has that kind of village mentality to it. Right. Can you share um, how you got into this? So did you pilot a micro church at one time? Did you know, did you fall into it accidentally? So how did you get into this, what is now called the micro church movement? Yeah, um, a, a mixture of fell into it accidentally and a really clear vision of God. So this started actually for me when I was working in youth ministry. And it came um, through an original youth ministry that we were trying in a small church and we ended up reaching out to a whole lot of people that were never going to come into the church. And so we ended up with this kind of group on the side doing other things. And so that was kind of our first foray into this other, some other form of small church that was attached to or connected to an existing church. And then actually I moved to a, a new church. I'd taken on a job as a youth minister and I was, actually in the process of praying about which job I had a couple before me to take. And God actually just gave me a really clear vision. Um, and it was a bit of an odd vision. And I'm an Anglican minister, so this is not usual for Anglicans to receive kind of prophetic pictures and things like that. But it was a picture of these small square windows and actually some people I knew in this church kind of reaching their arms through this window and trying to pull people through in. And I'm like, they're not going to fit. This was kind of it was kind of a bit of a crazy picture and then straight away, God showed me another picture of us standing at the corner of like our church block and then walking down the middle of the street and just inviting people to come and join mm-hmm. us. And I didn't get it at the time. It took me over kind of six, almost 12 months to work out what God was saying. But it was really just a, a really strong call for us to move outside our building and into our neighborhood. And so when we started doing that, we had no idea, never heard the term microchurch, missional communities, none of that. We were just being obedient to what we sensed God was calling us to do, which was to take a step outside our church building. 
And as you took that step out and you started doing this, um, I've uh, read and heard where you talked about sort of five characteristics now sort of that you have um, sort of pulled together that you think frame micro churches. Do you mind sharing those five characteristics with our audience? Yeah, hopefully we're talking about the same ones, but um, yeah, uh, for me, these are what we tend to call our markers of micro churches. Like this is, if you want to say, you know, is it a micro church? The answer's got to be yes for me to these five things. The first one is it's got to be Jesus centered. There's a lot of things that happen in life and in churches that I think sometimes doesn't have Jesus at the center. So micro churches can't be birthed out of anything other than kind of God's leading and guidance, and they have to be centered around the person and the work of Jesus. So it sounds ridiculous and obvious, but for us, it's really important. And then um, there's there's kind of three other elements in terms of, well, what does a microchurch engage in? And for us, that's worship, community, and um, mission. So some some people use language of up in and out around these, you know, our time, our time we worship, that's not necessarily music, but, you know, anything that we do that ascribes that worth to God that times of fellowship, and I think we've got to move away from that really simplistic idea of fellowship as, you know, mm. a cup of coffee together after the service to something a bit deeper that's really those one and others that Scripture talks about and, you know, doing life at that deeper level as believers, and then mission and engaging in that mission together. So they're kind of the three elements that kind of sit at the centre. And then I'm unusual because I add a fifth one that most microchurch practitioners don't, um, and that's... For me, I believe that microchurches have to be in partnership with the broader body of Christ. I actually don't think any single church is called to be the church on their own. We're all called to be part of the one church, and that means that we remain in relationship and in connection with others around us, whether that's, you know, your partner with an existing church, whether that's you have a network of microchurches, whether that you've just got a good relationship with the other three churches around you, whatever that might be, you can't exist in isolation. I actually think it's a biblical imperative that we can't exist in isolation. So that's so they're kind of the five things um, that I hold pretty tightly to. And I think when one of those is missing or something's going wrong in one of those, you can kind of see it um, really, really clearly. And that's where issues start to form with some of these micro churches. We could spend the rest of the time just around these five characteristics, uh, but I have other things I want to get to, but I do <laughs> want to do a couple of follow-up questions. Mm, um, go for it. The five. So the, the, the first is, how do you sort of um, help to make sure these five become a part of the DNA or the fabric when a new microchurch starts? Because I, I think the... The challenge is um, all churches would agree, hopefully, with the five characteristics you've outlined. But Hope the so. hard part <laughs> is creating that DNA within a congregation. How do you get it, you know, build it into? Then the second part, which I think is just as hard, how do you maintain it? So mm. once you build it, as churches continue on and exist for mm. a number of years, you start sort of losing some of that so how can you sort of create it and then how do you maintain it yeah so we um in our training and resourcing of the micro churches we're connecting with our questions when someone comes to us and says they want to start a micro church they're based around these five characteristics 
So they're based around tell us why, what's the vision behind it. And basically we're looking for that that sense of God directed, not, you know, well, my pastor at my church is doing something I'm unhappy with, so I'm going to go do this. And then we're like, hang on, that doesn't sound Jesus-centered. We're going to tell you to go sort that out before you come back to us. So there's, a, I guess there's a degree that at the starting point that we're checking and we're asking questions that are around these five from the word go, we're also helping people to set up rhythms. So when you think mm. through the kind of worship community mission, you can actually see that lived out in whatever rhythms of life you have as a community. So if they're if they're saying to us, we we want to meet as a micro church, we're going to meet on a you know a Sunday morning, we're going to read the Bible, we're going to do this. I'm going to be like, great, that's excellent. That'll give you times of worship, times of fellowship. Tell me about how you're going to do times of mission. Um, so actually structure it out so the micro church that i'm currently involved in actually tonight we run a board games night at a local neighborhood house that we run once a month um and we do lots of other things in the community we've got a netball team like there is so many things that are kind of part of our rhythm of life together and they're not all you know intentionally evangelistic we're going to stand up there and present the gospel at those places they're just places that we're engaging in our community and and building relationships in that space. So we're really particular about actually building those things into your rhythms. And I think if you don't build them into your rhythms, they get lost. So I've seen lots of micro churches who have great intentions to do something in their community or to serve someone in their community, but they spend most of their time just whistling through ideas and never actually getting to do something because they haven't structured it into their gatherings. And they're so busy with their other gatherings of just, you know, their Bible studies, their meeting with you know, triplets or whatever it might be, that they don't leave any time left in their calendars. So it's got to be structured into their rhythms of life. Um, and really the partnership is structured into their accountability. You know, who are you accountable to beyond yourself? Um, you're accountable to a network. You're accountable. You're in accountability relationships with other pastors around you. Um, so to a degree, when you build it, all of this can be structured into that process. And then depending on what metrics you use or what accountability mechanisms you use, it actually can be held in the same way that we come back and we ask every six months, how are you going? What do your rhythms look like? We actually have a little tool where we, you know, we talk about being Jesus-centred, worship community mission, and we're trying to get to the sweet spot in the middle. And we say, draw your community for us. Are you like huge worship at the moment with a little bit of community and a little mission? Like you can actually visually get people to map out where they think they're at and therefore where they need to adjust. And so that's one of the tools that we use to just help people keep their eye on all three and not just get moved in one direction. I know your context is Australia, mm. but I'm curious of, are you aware of micro churches within the United States? Um, and do you have any connection or relationship with any of those churches? I do. There's a lot of micro churches in the States and they've been a great blessing to us um, throughout our journey. I remember I connected with the underground church in Tampa about mm. 2015. So we were probably four or five years into what we were doing um, in Melbourne. And we suddenly, a friend connected me to this underground church that wasn't being public about what they were doing. And yeah, we just found um, great relationship and friendship with those guys and a lot of similarities about what we were doing. But we've connected with lots of different groups over the years in, in the US. There's um, the underground guys in the microchurch space. There's um, a lot of guys in the missional community space. And there's yeah. some learnings from that that we've found helpful. Um, 
and then even more recently, a couple of guys in the house church space, which is slightly different, but um, has been interesting to talk with them and hear their stories and things like that as well. So yeah, there's heaps going on in the States. Um, I spent some time with a guy who's planted some micro churches through the Disneyland parks, um, which is really, really, really exciting to hear his story. He's doing some great work training others through that space, but yeah, mm-hmm. really exciting. So the next thing um, I want to talk about is a little bit is leadership. So you're ordained Anglican, um, but I'm curious of if I came to you and I was not ordained, would I be allowed to start a micro church? Do I have to be ordained? Sort of what is it um, in terms of helping people to discern their role in terms of leadership of micro churches? that you help people to think through yeah I'd almost prefer you weren't ordained to be totally honest but that's not because I have anything against ordination but because if you see a micro church planted by an ordained person then everyone else thinks they have to be ordained to plant one and that's not the case this is a lay-led kind of movement um so we we equip anybody really who's a follower of Jesus who wants to continue to grow in their relationship with him and to step out on mission will equip anyone to lead a micro church, irrespective of, yeah, irrespective of whether you're ordained, not ordained. A lot of people who lead micro churches, especially in Australia, have full time jobs in mm-hmm. corporate, in other spaces. This is not a, a big, heavy job they get paid for. This is something they do off the side and around what they're already doing. So, yeah, they no, definitely don't need to be ordained. <laughs> there's still a lot of training that we encourage people to do as micro church leaders. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of responsibility in taking on the pastoral leadership of a micro church. But that's also why I think it's really healthy to be in partnership with others in a network or, um, you know, in partnership with a local church. It's great to have an ordained person around and, and kind of overseeing the network or, lead, you know, just being a point of support and encouragement and resourcing because um, sometimes in these micro churches, you can run into some really challenging stuff to deal with. And having that sort of connection to the broader body of Christ means you can bring in people who have particular resources um, to be able to deal with those situations in a way that, a, you know, an everyday lay person may not have those resources. So you talked about training. So do you all um, have a training program? Again, so if I came to you um, and said, I believe... Mm-hmm. God has called me to this uh, ministry, would you then set me up with a training program before I started? So how would that work for someone who was late to begin this work? Yeah, so we have some training that we do as part of our network, which is Scent Collective, which is a a church planting network in Melbourne. And Micro Movements has some other trainings that they do. But Micro Movements, the organisation that I lead, is a collaborative of a whole lot of micro churches and networks from around Australia. And they all have their own different slightly different training Mm. but we collaborate and share between us much like what's going on in the u.s there's lots of people out there who will train you in micro churches they're all slightly different um and they all have their different values but yes if you were going to if you're going to say hey i want to be a micro church leader we would say great let's do some training and coaching i actually think coaching is even more important Mm. than training um because i think that allows you to to kind of tackle character um, stuff with a leader and it's not just about giving them the information so that they can then lead a micro church and know how to do the right things but to make sure that their character is one that actually demonstrates Christ to their community and their micro church and help them hold accountability in that 
So we're really big on coaching. So every microchurch leader needs to have a coach, um, certainly in my network, but across Australia, that's, that's pretty much the standard um, approach for many. And then for those individuals, is the expectation that it wouldn't be the sole sort of responsibility of this one person um, to carry the day. I'm assuming the, the hope is, is that the community as a whole is going to take responsibility and you're going to have different roles, even though this individual yeah. is sort yeah. of, quote unquote, the leader. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually usually talk about it as a core team. We we basically won't let you plant unless you've got a core team. So usually it's one person who's the, what we use the language of key leader. They're the one who comes to us and says, hey, I've got a heart for, you know, women struggling with homelessness in the city. Yeah. You're like, great. There's your heart. There's your missional identity. And then we say, great, go and chat to some people. See if there's others who come alongside you who are interested in doing that too and form a core team. And in that core team, we're looking for a good mix of gifts, different skills and training and resourcing. And that's the core team is what leads the community, not that key leader. The key leader holds the vision for the community. And so often they're the one who we will coach so that they can keep that vision centric in the community. Um, but yeah, we, we really are strong on the team-based leadership because I think you can't, especially if you're holding that a full-time job, you can't take this on as, you know, you're doing everything. It's got to be a team approach. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I'm sure you've had this question often. Let's say that um, things just go wonderfully well. And my micro church all of a sudden has uh, 100 people or 150 people. <laughs> Is there a point in time where you're no longer a micro church? You're actually too big. And how do you handle yes. that situation? Yeah. Uh, that's a great problem to have. That would make you at 150, you're probably bigger than the majority of Australian churches, um, <laughs> non-micro church churches. Uh, yeah, so we we are really, our heart is to see multiplication. So we like to say that we like to see churches kind of multiplying wider than growing higher, if that makes sense. So we really want to see churches multiply. In Australia, we found that if you hit about 40, you really need to start moving towards multiplication. So We've had one in our house that included kids that was over 50 and it was a bit crazy. Uh, thankfully, at that time, we had one big kind of rumpus room that, mm -hmm. that worked for it. But that's about as big as I would see them grow in Australia. I'd be really keen to multiply them once they start getting over 35 um, to move in that direction. Um, there's We've seen different things in Australia. So often they multiply and, you know, uh, there's there's different visions that, you know, arise as you see people come to faith, they have a sense of people they're called towards and you kind of cultivate those those visions and send them off. We have seen a couple of micro churches become congregations of a normal church, wow, which has been really interesting. So we planted them as micro churches, but in both cases they were ethnic micro churches, so reaching a particular ethnic pop population. And because of the kind of cultural context of that ethnic they were looking for often looking for high places to worship basically um and so they'd reach their friends they'd bring their friends and they didn't want to be small like just culturally they wanted to get together with everyone so they became congregations great that's an excellent kingdom outcome so i'm not particular on the model is the only way to go it's really a starting point and i'm i'm hoping that that's something that either multiplies out it can grow into a church it can grow into just a congregation of a church 
I think it can do any and all of the above. If I had um, a lot of control over church planting, I'd be encouraging every church planter to start with a micro church rather than the model where they bring 50, 100 people and start a church that way. Start with a micro church so that you learn how to disciple people and let it grow out of discipleship rather than, you know, transfer attendance from other churches. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I think within the U.S. context, we're moving more in that direction, Um, Mm. but it's taken us a while to get there because um, we sort of talked about you did before, thought was bigger was better instead of thinking um, in terms of micro churches. Yeah, it's actually really hard to disciple people well in a big context. So when our micro church hit 50, we really, I was like, I'm not discipling these people anymore. I'm gathering them, which is great. But I was at, when it was 2025, we were actually able to disciple one another really well. Um, and so that's why we've, we've moved in that model and, and really pushed the multiplication arm. Well, Bria, as we get ready to unfortunately bring this to a close, um, I'm curious to hear your reflection. I think I know what you're going to say, even though this is the first time we talked how would you respond to there are so many faith communities out there why is there a need for another movement like the micro church movement yeah i think because there's still unreached people in our world <laughs> like if that's my you know yeah. my little evangelist hat on but genuinely because i think the churches that we have are going to reach a certain group of people and we need them like i'm not like i'm not a proponent to say shut down all our mega churches or our neighborhood churches they reach particular people and they will still continue to reach i think the de-churched population but what we're seeing in australia is that micro churches are reaching the unchurched have never been to church in their life have never been raised in faith which in australia is much a much larger percentage of our population than in the u.s at the moment um people who have absolutely no affiliation with a christian church they're never going to come to a church or seek out a church. So the church actually has to move and seek them out. And that's, I think that's why for me, micro churches at the moment are a really key tool that we need to be thinking through and, and really stepping into, because I think they're going to reach people that we can't reach in other ways and reach them on their terms rather than on our terms. And I think for a long time, the church has asked people to come to us on our terms. And I actually think scripture might flip that the other way. Let me, um, one final question, just off of mm. what you just said. I can picture, and I don't know if this happened in Australia, but I could certainly see it in the United States. Someone listens to the podcast and they love everything you say, and they're in a congregation. So they say, you know what? We can just start our own micro church right off of our congregation. How would you respond to, to that individual? I would say you can, but it would be even better if you talk to your church pastor and actually shared that vision with him and work her and, and worked with them about what the possibilities could be. Um, our original network that we planted out of a place called Glen Waverley in Melbourne was a large church of about 500 people and we started planting these micros alongside of it and we ended up having a kind of 12 or 13 micro churches planted mm-hmm. alongside the existing church and running both in harmony mostly together and 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 what we saw was the resources of the large church really fed the small micro church movement and the missional energy from the micro church really enlivened 
the predominant model church. And I'm a big fan of that kind of dual system. Mm. So I would be really encouraging people, don't leave and start your own thing, work together. Um, and, and because I think it will benefit you in the long run and it will benefit your your current church. Bree, this has been wonderful again. I really appreciate uh, your joining us and the work that you're doing. I'm appreciative of the, the work that you're doing. So thank you for sharing about the microchurch movement with us. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great. Right. Thanks for joining us for Leading Ideas Talks. Please like and subscribe to this channel and click the bell icon to get updates for new videos.